Welcome to the Self Storage University Podcast, where you will learn the correct way to identify, evaluate, negotiate, perform due diligence on, renegotiate, finance, turn around, and operate self storage facilities. And now, here is your host, a partner in one of the largest real estate portfolios in the U.S. with nearly $1 billion of holdings, Frank Rolfe. Ever since COVID, the direction of the self-storage industry has changed. The money is being made now in suburbs and exurbs and not any longer in those metropolitan areas. People don't want to have something in those urban heart of town anymore. They're moving away. They're in search of safety and better schools and a better quality of life. And as they go, so go all their belongings. This is Frank Roth, the Self Storage University podcast. We're going to talk about how to predict a location's future at a time where most self-storage buyers are looking a little farther out. No longer looking in the heart of town, they're looking in the suburbs and exurbs. That's where the real opportunity lies. But as you push out, you find that you need to stay focused and you need to predict well on what areas have the brightest future. So the question is, what tools are out there for self-storage buyers to help them better pinpoint what areas have most of the promise? Well, here are some tools that are at your disposal. Most people don't know they're there. Don't think about them much, but they're always there for the taking if people only knew to ask for them. The first one are traffic count maps. Every state, every county, and every city has traffic count maps that show the traffic on every road and their boundaries of any major size. It doesn't have residential streets. It has almost all your secondary streets, farm-to-market roads, state highways, interstate highways. And those traffic count maps tell you a lot. Not only can you see how much traffic there is in the area in which you're buying that self-storage facility, but also you can tell by traffic count where most of the population is going. An interstate highway, for example, that crosses north to south through the heart of town, if the traffic count going north is twice the amount of count as you have going south out of downtown, then it would appear that most of the population, most of the growth is going north. So get a copy of those traffic count maps. Call your state highway department call your county, call your city. You can easily obtain them. Typically, they're all online. Some areas, they still have them printed. You might want the printed copy so you can stick it to a wall and write other information I'm about to give you on top of that map. But traffic count maps are a fantastic start. So easy to understand, so easy to read. Next, you have the book on new road projects. Every state, every county, every city traditionally has a book in the case of the state, an actual book that shows where all of the new roads are going. Now, it shows them in different tranches because these road projects take a long time to accomplish. So typically, it will start off showing what the concept is for the road. And then they'll show when they have a, a plan for the road. And then once the plan is approved, it goes into buying right away. Then once they buy the right away, then they have a bidding process to pick a vendor to build the road. Then the road gets built and then it opens. It's a very lengthy process. In fact, on average, it probably takes most major roads five to 10 years from beginning to end. But you can tell a lot by looking at all the roads that are already in the status and that assembly line of where they stand. So if there's a road in there that's already in the right-of-way purchase point, then that means that will definitely be a future road. And that means in the future, there'll be development and there'll be more traffic and all kinds of great things for self-storage that come from that. So get a copy of all that new road information. 
It's eminently accessible. It's in the public domain. It's not private information. You can get that and you can map out. You can literally draw on a map where all those new roads are going. And you can quickly see where the future is as far as growth. Because you only build roads where there's going to be more people and more things being built. Next, you can map out new business openings and closings. Go to the Chamber of Commerce in the area in which you're looking at that self-storage facility and just get a list of everything that's opened in the last 12 months or so versus everything that's closed. And once again, you can pretty rapidly see exactly what's going on. If you see all these little dots you put on the map of openings and they're all east of downtown, and then you see all these closings and they're all west of downtown, well, you definitely want to be going east. That's the direction where the future is. Also, you can map out water and sewer line infrastructure. Now, what will that get you? Well, if you want to build houses, if you want to build a subdivision, you have to have access to utilities. And municipal water and sewer at the top of that chart. So if you know where those lines already exist, then you know pretty well where the building will commence. And it's very expensive to build water and sewer lines, just like the new highway book that tells you where those are going. Water sewer lines are also a big capital investment. There's a lot of planning that goes into that. Now, where do you get that information? Well, you're going to need to talk to the municipal water and sewer district on where their water and sewer lines are. They typically have maps, online maps you can get of those, or they can sometimes even tell you. If you find an area that has massive water sewer infrastructure, that almost guarantees it will also have massive population growth. Because wherever there's water and sewer, it's there. It's been pre-planned to be there in advance of residential development. So you are going to pretty rapidly see the future just from that water sewer map. Areas that have very little growth or can only handle very little growth, they typically don't put in much water sewer. Why would they? Why waste the money if you can't really build anything out or there's no demand for it? However, areas that have high rates of growth, you'll see they always have water sewer projects going on. Ever drive out somewhere and you see all this digging along the highway, people putting in big pipes and stuff? Those are areas that are growing, and they're laying that well in advance. If you go back and revisit that five years later, you'll see those areas are now solid subdivisions. Next, you can look at housing starts. Just like those water and sewer lines that tell you the future of housing, well, housing starts is even better determiner of what's going on. Again, talk to your chamber of commerce or find out who tracks housing starts. And look at where all those new houses are going. Look where all those new subdivisions are located. They're not hard to find. They're typically built by large developers, people like Pulte Homes. When Pulte is going to go out and build a 600-house subdivision, then you better know there'll be copycats surrounding even that. And they're not going to take a big gamble like that unless they feel population is definitely heading that way. So study where all of those new house subdivisions and where all those new housing starts are. Also look at single-family home prices. You can go on Zillow, any number of websites today, and you can see what houses are going for. And you clearly know that wherever they're the most expensive, that's where the people want to live the most. And once again, you're going to find that those houses tend to congregate. So if you're looking at a city and it has a $150,000 average home price and you're looking at a suburb and it's got a $250,000, well, you know that's a very desirable suburb. That also implies those people will have lots of goods to store because they've got more wealth than other people, so they probably buy more stuff. They can also, therefore, handle the monthly price of paying to store all that stuff. Now, the big conclusion to all this is if you take everything I just mentioned and you stick it all on a map, every single item, traffic counts, new road projects, 
business openings and closings, water and sewer line infrastructure, new housing starts, and single-family home prices. You put that all on one big map on your wall. You will be able to predict like a wizard where the future goes. There's no way you can screw this up. It all aligns. All those things always tie together. There won't be any anomaly. You won't say, ah, well, this is strange. Everything points to north of town, but now suddenly, look, I'm seeing big road development south of town. No, you will never see that. When you lay out all these little items, it will be so cleanly visible to you that it will make a very compelling case. And that way, you'll be able to only buy or look to buy self-storage facilities in those areas that have remarkable promise as far as growth and underpinnings, everything that you would want in a self-storage market. And you can locate those in advance of everybody if you simply take note of all the items I've discussed. This is Frank Roth, the Self Storage University podcast. Hope you enjoyed this. Talk to you again soon. Thank you for listening to the Self Storage University podcast. Be sure to visit us at ssupodcast.com where you can learn the correct way to identify, evaluate, negotiate, perform due diligence on, renegotiate, finance, turn around, and operate self-storage facilities.